Welcome to a special episode of You Need a Counselor. As our frequent listeners know, this podcast is a place where we talk with people on the fence about starting counseling. We invite people to learn more about the counseling process and hear personal experiences in hopes of helping them overcome barriers that keep them from counseling. Today, however, we are partnering with another Heart and Solutions project known as You Need a Training. This podcast, while it can still be listened to by anyone, is more specifically designed with mental health counselors and other helping professionals in mind. In these special episodes, we will explore a variety of topics designed to enrich the professional experiences of mental health providers. These topics will include trainings on treatment modalities, information about working with particular populations, therapeutic interventions, and other special interest trainings. Some of these episodes will even be eligible for continuing education credits for those that need them, so be sure to listen closely. Please feel welcome to stick around for this episode, but do note that it will be different from the content you are used to receiving on this channel. If you're sticking around today, and we sure hope you do, get ready for engaging, thought-provoking conversations because we all know... You need a training. Hello, welcome to episode four of our You Need a Training podcast. For those that are just getting to know us, I am Dr. Colleen Grote, the Vice President of Therapy at Heart and Solutions. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision. I am a licensed mental health counselor and a registered play therapy supervisor. Today, I'm incredibly excited to be joined by another member of our Heart and Solutions team, one of our therapy providers, Montana Meyer. Montana is a uh, temporary licensed mental health counselor with a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling from Northwestern University. She focuses on a psychodynamic approach to therapy. She works with an, an eclectic style to suit the needs of the individual, including psychodynamic, person-centered, and CBT, CBT modalities. She has experience working with anxiety, depression, PTSD, personality disorders, suicidal ideation, and trauma with adolescents and adults. Montana believes every person has their own story that has shaped what they are currently experiencing and strives to create a safe space in her work for individuals to be able to share that story and work collaboratively to reach their goals. I am so excited for the topic that Montana is bringing to to the podcast today. It's one that uh, is near and dear to my heart. It's one that we get asked a lot about uh, by clients and and their uh, caregivers. And uh, today we get to spend some time talking with Montana about social media and mental health, which is such such a broad topic, such an important topic, an emerging topic that's constantly changing. Um, and Montana, for those that kind of hear that topic and go, ah, that's a, that's a lot, right? Um, what can you tell us just about kind of in general, what we mean by that, right? The impact that social media may be having on, on mental health or what, what that world looks like when, when those two categories combine. Yeah. Thanks for that introduction, Colleen. Happy to be here today. And, you know, talking about social media, it's everywhere. I think we're all online at this point. And the big thing about social media and mental health that I find is the effects when it comes to, you know, all of the great things that are online, but also a lot of the stuff that's not so great online. And just kind of what we do with that information and different people react to things very differently. And, you know, I think social media plays a big part in how we see ourselves, how we see the world, which are very core to what we do in the therapy environment a lot of times. Absolutely. Right. And I imagine, right, that 
so much of that social media presence, right? Be it the things that we're putting out there, the things that we're consuming, um, are being brought into the therapy space as well. Have you had, have you had experiences with that? Yes. So many experiences with that from adolescents to adults, you know, we see things online and I think a big piece of mental health is kind of the question of what's going on or like, what's a name for what I'm experiencing. And a lot of times when we, you know, look online, you can read all about anxiety, depression, a lot of different stuff around mental health. And so, you know, a lot of people bringing in like TikToks or things they saw on Facebook that they really relate to, which can open up that conversation a lot in you know, here's something I'm experiencing. Is this a word for it? Does it fit? And exploring that deeper, you know, on that individual basis. Absolutely. Right. I think what I hear there is that that search for connection, right? Something happens in my life or I start to feel a certain way and I really want, I want to not feel so alone, right? I want that connectivity and for better or for worse, so many of us now have that right, right in our hands right? And within seconds, we can be searching for someone else who maybe has a shared experience or has, has gone through something similar. And, um, you know, there's, there's positives and negatives to that, I imagine. And uh, feeling optimistic on uh, this beautiful morning, what are some of the positives that you see about social media and its, its impact or influence on, on mental health? Yeah, you make such a great point. And I mean, humans are based off connection. It's a core piece of us. And social media being online definitely helps with that in seconds. You can reach out to anybody you want at the click of a button. And there's so many positives to that, especially when we look at like the adolescent population. A lot of times, you know, in that stage of development, you're really looking for expanding to friends and distancing from family. And being online, I feel has helped with the connecting with people who, who aren't just the people you live near, I guess. And, and kind of really expanding that circle of people you can get to know or connect with or have similarities with. Um, uh, for example, like the LGBTQIA plus community, I feel very much benefits from this when you think about, you know, can more conservative towns might be isolating without that online connection. And I think that's such a positive of uh, being able to find people who are like minded when you might feel isolated with, you know, your family, your community, the people that like surround you physically. Um other positive aspects I really think are just the knowledge that you get online. Uh, like I mentioned before, just looking at mental health online, you know, what's going on with me? Is, can I find some answers? Um, I use it a lot for finding coping skills. Uh, I always encourage people to go online because there's a million and one resources and I only have, you know, my box full. Yeah, that that access, right? Like you said, to to people who maybe are are geographically incredibly far away, but share those same values, those same morals, those same experiences, and and almost instantaneously not feeling alone, right? And and um, you know, I think for me, hearing clients who see like, okay, I was in this place, and then somebody said, yeah, I've been there too, and now I'm 
now I'm here, right? And being able to to see those transformations or hear those those stories of hope and optimism can be incredibly powerful, especially when we feel alone and maybe we're scared to reach out to a therapist or don't have access to a provider. Um, as I think about all of the social media platforms, right? Are there some that you have found have some incredible resources or communities that you would really kind of encourage or support clients in exploring further? Yeah, I, sometimes that's a tough question because I feel every platform has their pros and cons. So to say, um, like I know ones that I've used before is like Instagram and Facebook specifically. I feel that you know, there's a lot of people on Instagram. There's a lot of therapists on Instagram, number one. But there's a, also just a lot of resources in like seeking posts that do have that positivity or kind of education about what's happening. But Facebook, I feel, has the has the groups. And I feel it's such a unique way to connect with people, like very specific. Some of those groups can get very, very specific and really sharing that experience experience I would say those two specifically yeah they're creating their own communities Um, and I think for me right when I think about some of the things my clients have brought to the table right is just that awareness of what mental health means right or what it what it is uh and I'm curious if you can say more sort of about the (laughs) research might be the wrong word right but the experience exploration of mental health through social media and what what some people may be doing just to learn more about themselves and what they are experiencing yeah I actually would use the word research I think I have a lot of clients who come in saying they did their research and it can be so beneficial and kind of when we say that it's really just going online and like searching up the definition of what is depression what is anxiety you know what do these words mean because it's not like we're necessarily taught them uh like the exact definitions and really just looking up like what does it mean to be depressed i didn't know what all goes along with it and i think without that information you're left with kind of just that view off of whatever you see of it i have a lot of people who like view depression as just I'm suicidal and I'm alone in my bed all day. But it looks vastly different than that for a lot of people. And I think that's what the internet can really provide. And like, here's another example of what this looks like. You don't have to look like this. And people really connect with that. And I didn't know that. Like, maybe this is something I'm experiencing. And having that word for it feels so powerful. And like, there's a word for this. I'm not going crazy. I'm not making this up. Yeah. That sense of, of power, right. Of I'm not, I'm not alone. And maybe I just received a diagnosis or maybe I want to go ask about my symptoms. Right. And that ability, like you said, to, to shake up those traditional views of what, what depression looks like or what, what autism looks like or what anxiety looks like. Right. Of, okay, like I, there isn't a, there isn't a mold that we all have to, to fit into. And, uh, I think, I think we're probably all guilty at some point or another. Right. But I find myself 
zoom scrolling every once in a while and on TikTok, but I can't help but but smile when I come across people who are are brave and and taking that step to put themselves out there, right? And not only share with the world maybe what what they're struggling with or or where they're at, um, but also not gatekeeping some of the coping skills that are helping them. I saw an incredible video the other day and someone, you know, said a coping skill her provider had had shared with her and someone else stitched it on TikTok and said, well, yeah, that's great, but you're not always going to have access to that. Here's what, here's what I do when I'm out and about. And it was just like, okay, there, you know, here are some positives. Um, here are some things, some people, you know, kind of using these platforms for good um, and, you know, being able to help clients, like you said, find those connections and maybe even feel, feel that power, right. Of coming back to a session with you and going, Montana, guess what I learned, right? You, you told me this thing, but I learned I can do this thing. And, um, that sense of accomplishment, right. And independence that it gives those clients when they can find those, those resources. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole goal of therapy is to end it and not have a therapist the entire time. And what you said there is very important that kind of autonomy or independence of searching for things or finding things on your own, because I don't always want to be in your life. I want to be here now to help through and progress, but I don't want to always be here because really encouraging people to do that on their own is so like such a powerful change. And I can cope with my emotions when they're hard. I like can, you know, reduce my anxiety when I'm in a situation like that's unexpected or new things like that, which is the whole goal. Absolutely. Yeah. Taking those, taking those resources, right. Setting, setting our limits. Um, any, you know, I, I think about working with children, right. And from a play-based perspective, and I know we're going to talk later about the inevitable negatives of social media, right. And those things that we really want to be mindful of and avoid if we can, but as you're talking with with parents, caregivers, teachers, right, all of these grown-ups in the lives of children who are incredibly tech-savvy uh, these days, are there some things that are maybe reassuring to those adults of here, here are ways that these games or these apps or these things can be beneficial to kids uh, as they go through therapy services or just developmentally as they learn about their own emotions and feelings? Yeah, yeah, it's such an interesting thing talking with uh, like parents and caregivers of children and adolescents today because I feel children are online younger and younger these days. And there's this like fear surrounding the internet because there are a lot of scary things out there and it's completely understandable to have that fear as a parent you want to protect. And it's totally natural, but I think recognizing that there are bad things, but there's also a vast amount of good things that kids are doing online. I know we we hear a lot about like Snapchat and TikTok these days with kids that, you know, have their downfalls and can be scary, but I think they bring a sense of that connection back for kids or even just them learning more about themselves um, like identity is a big piece of those ages and just figuring out who you are and the internet can help a lot with that. I think there's 
a million and one like BuzzFeed quizzes on uh, like which cake you are or which TV show character you are and even something simple like that or like cute animal videos to bring laughter and joy like those simple things as well as you know there's like so many resources online such as people to talk to if you're not in therapy there's those helplines or there's you know Twitter, Instagram, Facebook that do have positive things for kids that feel a little less noticed at times. I feel a lot of times we focus on the bad or the misinformation or like cyberbullying and things like that that are very much a real fear, but sometimes the good things get overlooked. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love that, right? Like, I think like everything else, we want to be safe and cautious right but we as soon as we don't want to stop the exploration but I might take it further like we can't stop the exploration right I'm thinking about the elementary schools like kids are assigned tablets and laptops you know in kindergarten now and they're much smarter at using them than adults are and so um I think you know being able to to work with individual families and set their own limits and boundaries with what they're comfortable in but recognizing it does open a world like we talked about earlier for what what these words are and what these feelings are and I can't help but think about you know, um you know even some of the the filters and things that are out there that um allow us to try on something a little unlike ourselves right and allow mm -hmm. us to to make a silly face or allow us to look a different way or, or, you know, play around with something different and, and just the, the power that that can give to, to children and adults, right. Of let me just step out of myself for a minute. Um, you know, so everything from kind of that playful nature of positivity of, like you said, some of those coping skills, those, those kind videos, those things like, all the way through the spectrum then of, hey, I'm really struggling and maybe it's too scary to make a phone call or go see someone in person or whatever it may be. So I'm going to start by Googling what I'm noticing, right? Or or getting on a social media app and finding someone else who can support me and saying, I get it um, and how powerful that can be. Yeah, and that I get it is so important. I think that's kind of what we all chase after and really want is just somebody to get it. And that's one thing that I found is really helpful when, you know, you're talking about families uh, with kids online is having that open-mindedness of like exploring what your kid is doing instead of, you know, accusing them of the negatives or bringing up the negatives, because if we're putting down the thing that they find joy in, they're going to get defensive and I don't want to talk about it and my walls are going to go up. But coming at it from a place of tell me about what you're doing. Like, what do you like about this? What are things you don't like about it? What do you do when you don't like something about it? Opens that door for them to talk about it when that other kind of like, are you doing this online? Or are you doing this? Puts that wall up um, to really help just like, I want to get it for you kind of feeling. I love that, right? I love that idea of help me understand, right? Teach me the game that you're playing. Show me the app that you're in. Um, 
And yeah, if something I don't like comes up, right, we'll explore that. We'll have access to that. Um, but like you said, the second that we we come to kids with that that tone, right, and that downplaying, they're going to perceive that anger or that they're doing something wrong, right, which opens the the door and the invitation to shut down to not give all the information to potentially lie about the situation uh, out of self-preservation. And so really being able to approach it and, and, you know, keep an eye on what they're doing on their tablets, but keeping that eye from a curiosity standpoint of show me more, tell me more, let me join your game. Right. Like I love that, that interactive piece um, and being a participant rather than, uh, just shutting down that behavior out of our own fear. Yeah. I think I've learned more about apps and new games and things from clients than I have doing it in my own life uh, by opening that door. And, you know, having that open door kind of allows that safer space to explore some of those negatives. And, you know, the biggest one that I hear about a lot when it comes to mental health is comparison, comparing ourselves to other people's lives online or, you know, comparing our bodies to other people online. And it's a powerful conversation in the sense of like, how do I get rid of that? Because I can't stop people from posting online. I can't stop from going online because it's kind of an integrated part of our life now. And so what do I do in those situations? And, you know, it's one of the things that I'm very passionate about is that self-image comparing to people and that education about, like, not everything you see online is the reality. We post things because that's what we want people to see. I'm not going to post about things like my messy room at the moment that I don't want people to see about me. And... Like helping, especially teens navigate that is very interesting because there's a lot of comparison at that age. Just finding out who we are, where do I fit in here? Uh, like what's right to do is something I hear a lot. Yes. I, I, so important, right? Of Yeah, there's all of these aspects of I'm here, right? And I'm doing this, but that comparison piece of, okay, well, this this influencer says they struggle with depression, but look, they're doing all these things or their house is so clean, right? And I'm thinking even as we sit here and talk to each other today, it's like, well, if I panned my camera one way, right, you'd see a whole different view of my life, right? And like you said, we've gotten so used to believing the screen, right? And thinking we should be that person um, that really being able to have those conversations of, it's not, it's not what it always looks like, um, on, on screen or in the Instagram photos, right. And really kind of panning out, uh, beyond those photos and what does the bigger picture look like, um, can be such an important tool, especially like you said, for adolescents who are developing that, that worldview and that understanding. Absolutely. I think even as adults, we feel it, um, like, for example, I compare my life a little bit to, you know, my friends, people online, you know, what are they doing, what I'm doing. I know other adults feel that as well, because it's a natural piece of, I want to know I'm okay, 
kind of feeling, but it's hard when, like, if we don't have that internal dialogue of you're doing things right, you're doing things for you, if we're missing that piece, it like there's almost that attachment to, well, this is what's right, or like this is what everybody else is doing, so that's what I should be doing. For example, like, I don't know why, but when we're talking about this, what's coming to my head is like uh, Kim Kardashian's pantry is like so perfectly organized and everything has a place. And my kitchen looks nothing like that. And because it's not realistic, I don't know if I could function in that environment because my functioning is also probably different than hers I don't have a chef or people to help me it's just me and so recognizing that difference of like what works for you versus what works for somebody else is going to be different on so many things whether that's lifestyle whether that's coping skills whether that's you know how you talk positively to yourself. Like those positive affirmations might not work for everybody in the same way. They might not need to be a little different. And I think that's a big piece about being online is connecting with who you are and showing yourself online, but also recognizing you don't have to be this other person whose life seems amazing. Absolutely, right? Like, because maybe it is, and maybe that's one piece of their life or maybe it isn't right and maybe that's their coping skill is to to show that that piece and I love that recognition right if you have to find what works for you all the aesthetics in the world all of the positive affirmations in the world if they'll you know I think about conversations about coping skills right and the reason that there's lists that exist of 501 coping skills to try is because they're not all going to work for everyone. Um, and I couldn't help but think, speaking of social media, right, I, I stumbled on a video the other day of this gentleman who was sharing his neutral affirmations. And I, I wish I could find him. If I do, I'll, I will link him in our show notes. I, I didn't save the video. But um, instead of doing positive affirmations, right, and kind of overreaching where he was at that day and pretending that everything was wonderful, he started a daily habit of neutral affirmations, right? So things like today is a day, right? To um, my, you know, my car is my car, like just things that weren't good or bad in his, his rating scale. And I loved that, right. And being able to find someone like that, who maybe that day, somebody needed that connection, right. And needed that um, and being able to use those positive pieces as we learn to sort through some of the stuff that gets in the way of that, right? And and I think that as much as we would love to say positive, 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 because there is so many good things, I think it's really important that we do our due diligence and we are aware of some of the things that our, our clients and others are noticing or seeing on the internet that can can have some more negative uh impact. And I'm curious about some of the things that you've seen on those, those negative aspects of social media and mental health. Yeah. Yeah. We hear a lot about like the algorithm these days and figuring that out. And I think that plays a big piece into what we're seeing or what we're exposed to online. And you know, one thing that I do myself is I, I have a few different social media things and like following different people and really recognizing the information I'm getting uh, based off of who I'm following, what posts I'm liking and things. And 
I feel that that's a big concern when it comes to social media. You know, if I'm having, you know, dark thoughts or something like that, and I start, you know, Googling those thoughts or looking up, you know, what is suicide or what is, you know, stuff about violence, things like that. And then all of a sudden I'm getting a lot of information about this because that's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm interested in. And, you know, I do a lot of research in my job and I'm very interested in, you know, suicidal ideation and things like that. And it was kind of scary about how information, how much information I got after, you know, researching some topics about suicide and suicide education, even about, you know, things like that, but like making sure to almost create the page that you want to see. Like if you're interested in that, yes, look it up, but recognize, you know, that stuff coming up and recognizing there is another side to things or kind of built like filtering that information and uh, like, I'm going to look up what this means or kind of look into these thoughts I'm having. And I'm also going to follow the resources that it gives. The one thing the internet has done vastly amazing in protecting this negative side of the internet in is if you look up anything to do with suicide or violence, there are hotlines and resources are like the first 10 um, sources that come up for you to look at. And so, you know, making sure to, also, let's look those up. Let me use them. They're the first things coming up for a reason is that kind of protector in that because it can get scary when all you're looking at is things like that or kind of hate messages is the only thing that I'm liking. Absolutely, right? Like, like you said, we're creating our own experience, right? We can't control what shows up on our screen next, but the things that we're searching, the people we're searching it with, the people we're sharing it, with, right, become incredibly important. And being aware of sort of how the the social media platforms we're using operate, right? I um, was talking to someone the other day, and they were saying, particularly on, on TikTok, if you follow uh, creators that you like, you'll see less of their content, which seems counterproductive. Um, and so I explained, experimented with a few and it seems to be the trend of their stuff is no longer showing up when I scroll, right? I have to go actively looking for it. Um, and so just learning how those platforms work, right? If I need, if I need and want to see more information on this, here's who I'm going to actively seek. And I'm not going to go this direction. And, and, you know, going back to our conversation earlier about adults in our lives, right? Who can I share this with if I see something that's scary or unsettling or doesn't make sense, or I have questions about, you know, what is my personal safety plan for what I'm doing with that information um, instead of just sitting with that in isolation? Yeah, absolutely. Where to find information is always a big one. I mean, you, we've talked, uh, I think it, throughout my entire education, I I kind of grew up in that first generation of like online at school and things. And so I think the biggest conversation was like, you can't trust Wikipedia or you can't trust this site and you can't trust this one. And it is such a big question of what do I trust about what I see? If I see something about this, I'm going to assume it's real that the page looks legit, but it might not be. And kind of, 
finding that information through sources that are trustful, such as, you know, if you're looking up information about coping skills and things, I'm not going to go to a page that is about other things and happens to have one post about coping skills, but I want to search out a page where this is their focus and they're going to have more resources for me or, you know, people who are educated in the topic, such as, you know, therapy pages or um, like uh, emotion content, things like that, uh, mental health content pages, resources like that is probably more going to be a lot more helpful than a page that doesn't do that. Absolutely. We're consumers of that information, right? And if I'm going to buy a new car, right? I'm going to do my due diligence and I'm going to test drive that. And I'm going to go somewhere that I feel, you know, supported and safe and that I'm getting what I'm asking for. Right. But we are, we are spending our entire day consuming information online without giving it a second thought. Right. And especially, you know, as we're younger and, and still learning what that process is, but even as adults, right, we're, we're guilty of taking those things at face value, right? And, uh, oh, this this creator said this, and I like this creator. Yeah, well, that creator may have gotten paid to say that, right? Or to support this product or to do this thing or to develop this test for, you know, what your diagnosis is or whatever it may be. And so um, I think that's where it becomes really overwhelming and and sometimes scary um, to see what these clients are are finding, even well intentioned, right? And thinking this is what this is what I want to be looking at. This is I'm trying to help myself or my friend or whatever, and can really quickly kind of get taken down that rabbit hole of not only misinformation, but potentially dangerous information uh, if we don't have those safeguards in place. Yeah, yeah. And I think the world, just as a bigger scope, is doing better about putting those safeguards in place because we just didn't know beforehand. And I think that encompasses everybody, whether it's younger generations, older generations, we're all still learning and adapting because it's ever changing technology. I mean, I hear about, you know, new apps that people are using all the time and I don't know anything about it. I don't know if it's safe. I don't know what kind of stuff goes on there and kind of just educating yourself about what is all this stuff? How does it work? What do we do with it? And like, what is safe to look at or what is safe to believe? What's unsafe to believe? Um, One thing that I think can be dangerous is I want to ask a question to people to find people who could give me advice. Uh, When you think about like Reddit or even posting something on Facebook asking for advice and the comments can be very hurtful. You know, I know there's so many things that are positive in there. Like I, you could look through anybody's posts and on pretty much any platform and find positive and negative comments. You know, I think a lot of celebrities talk about it, but it's also in our, you know, average days. Uh, There is that kind of like that anonymous sense behind the internet that creates a buffer for people to say things that might be very hurtful. And so putting yourself out there is 
dangerous in itself of, hey, if I'm asking for advice about my relationship online and then I go through and read the comments that are hurtful towards me or tell me I should do this or that, they might not be in my best interest because they're strangers online who are behind a screen and don't really know me as much as I could write a you know 10 page essay on who I am. Absolutely. So, yes, being cautious or, you know, almost prepared for negative comments. What do I do if I get a negative comment and kind of really like letting it go, which is a much easier said than done kind of topic. Absolutely. Right. And I know we talked earlier about the positive aspect of people who may be isolated either geographically or because of some uh, mental health or, or physical health, you know, symptoms that they're experiencing and how powerful and, and positive the internet can be to bring that connection in. But when that connection turns negative, right. And, um, and there isn't that support system necessarily to go and, and lean on and counterbalance those comments, right. And those comments can say anything. There is, there's a giant shield of anonymity, on the internet. And um, it's one of the reasons I am so thankful that telehealth therapy still exists, right? I know you are working fully remote, fully telehealth for our clients. Um, And so even those clients who don't have physical social circles or are struggling with with forming those connections uh, with, with other people being able to say, okay, here's my online community and here's my, my online verified, you know, mental health support and, and community in that sense and, and giving them an opportunity to connect with you in a way that is allowing them, you know, to connect with other pieces of, of their life and continue that sense of safety, but at a different, a different level. Right. Of course, of course. Uh, And it's really a big reason why I'm passionate about doing telehealth and why I really sought this out, because I think there's so many benefits to it in just access. I grew up in a very small town where there was no therapist and you had to go to the next city over for groceries or the doctor and that kind of, you know, place. And so there wasn't a whole lot of resources there. And it really inspired me of, you know, reaching those people that are isolated, don't have people like them because it's small or even people in big cities who just haven't found that community maybe. And, you know, online I feel provides a safety in, like I'm gonna have a little distance to be able to talk about things. I get more access to things. Yeah, and I think it does kind of role model like, This is a person I can trust online. If I'm sending you an email, you can trust me with that link. And like, there's a lot of people that, you know, you can't trust. And where's that line at is always a big question of this person I met while playing video games seems very genuine and wants to get to know me. But how do I know who's really on the other side of the screen? Or how do I know they are genuine? And it's a very tough question with those barriers that you know texting or phone calls make with I can't read somebody's body language or like I can't see this person it's an obvious barrier um you know texting has so much different so many different ways you could read things I know I've been very guilty of reading a text message and freaking out because I thought they meant one thing but in actuality they didn't mean that at all 
Yeah, it's a whole nother aspect of social skill development, right? Of how do we engage digitally with one another? And I think social media and different platforms right, are helping us start to learn that, right? Again, by sharing experiences of just like you said, oh, I got this text message and I meant this, but what they really meant was this. And that, you know, can give pause for someone else then to to ask a clarifying question next time they get a text message, right? Or sharing those experiences of, oh, somebody online said this, it's it's a scam or it's this or it's this. Mm-hmm. And it can help us be aware of things to look out for. I think as a, as a whole, right, as a community learning, okay, here are some pieces we can safely dabble into. Here are some places that we're going to be a little more cautious. And here's some things we've learned as we enter this digital world that are knows, right? And setting those boundaries. And it's a constant battle, you know, I don't bounce right word, right? But a constant learning curve to do that. And I think you've gotten really good at kind of helping clients start to figure out, okay, how do I filter all this? Right. I'm I'm exposed constantly. There are always new things coming in. How do I filter that mental health information that's coming coming through? Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult because there is so much information. And I mean, we take in so much on just a daily basis when I'm, you know, on the internet, I'm watching YouTube videos. Well, now all of a sudden I'm 10 videos deep and I'm learning about something absolutely new and taking in all this information can be overwhelming. And sometimes they can dispute each other. They can be saying very different things. And so which one do I believe Uh, I really connect with this. Is this really what this means? And one thing for me is like talking about it, I think is such a big piece of it. And for example, like I've had people come to me with, hey, I saw this TikTok online. Like, is this true about mental health information, like friends and family? And uh, because they obviously know what I do for a living. And uh, it'll be... uh, Like, I know I saw one before that was about ADHD or what, what you don't know about ADHD or what to look for it. And there was a lot of really helpful things in there, but none of it was true. And it was talking about like, you can diagnose yourself if you see these things, but having the knowledge I do, I know that not a single one of those was on the, you know, diagnostic criteria that we use. And It was difficult to try to explain that of like, there's this big book that I have with these diagnoses, but there's also this other information that kind of looks like these other things, but it's not. And how do people really know which one when this person that said all these things seems trustworthy and they seem like they know what they're talking about. And, you know, me kind of being the bad guy, so to say, and like, no, that wasn't true is always a hard position, but I think that's where finding the information is so like crucial in how, what do I believe? And so one thing I work a lot on is ask somebody, do further research, like look into it. If you see something, look into it. If you know that this may makes sense or it doesn't make sense you have a whole world of knowledge at your fingertips to continue searching for that answer and if you find confusing information talk about it with somebody else whether that's you know your therapist like me or whether that's your friends family whoever's around you 
Absolutely. I think that that, that connectivity, right. Of most people right outside of, of mental health providers aren't carrying around the DSM five with them, right. They're not, they're not, it's way easier, way more fun, way more entertaining to watch a 30 second video, right. And convince ourselves that, Oh, I do that thing. That's me. Right. And being able to, to walk that boundary between, yes, there's some things that I do that overlap with something that somebody with a certain diagnosis might have. However, I have these other factors, right. That, that don't result in that diagnosis. And I think it's hard sometimes when we're searching for why do I do this thing? Right. Well, sometimes that's just us, right? That's just our personality. That's what makes us uniquely us. And we don't necessarily need a diagnosis. Um, and then other times we know that maybe something is going on and we, we are so ready for answers, right? That we can really easily latch on to the first thing that maybe checks a box with us. And, and you know, thinking about some of those negatives, if somebody isn't then speaking to a mental health provider, right? And isn't coming to to their therapist and saying, hey, I saw this video. Like, what do you think? Like, do I have whatever? That self-diagnosis can lead to self-treatment, right? And can lead to things that we're now addressing something that isn't what's going on. Um, and so I love this conversation right now, finding that balance of, ah, let's soak in all the information but let's do that in a way that we are doing our due diligence and making sure that our sources are reliable, that we're cross-referencing that with our, our doctor or our therapist or both, right? Or someone who can, can really make sure the information we are receiving is not only real, but it's, it's relevant for our unique situation as well. Absolutely. I love the internet and I could talk about it all day, but you know, at the end of the day, I think that those, those in-person connections are still so crucial to every single one of us in like, what do I do with this information? If I lived completely online, I would probably be confused most of the day um, because I just wouldn't know because there is so much out there. And so using those other connections that you have to like know what to do with it or just some place to put it or talk it through process it I think is really the main goal of all of this and don't believe everything but if something comes to you that feels right explore it absolutely I love that I love that yeah if it feels right let's explore it and see where where that goes and um and and taking that information so that you can filter it and and use what what needs to be used and I love that idea of filling Filling your feed with positivity, right? And with those reliable sources. Um, and I know that you are, are making a great effort to help individuals be able to do that. And you've done that by creating an Instagram page where you can provide information about mental health and coping skills and just promoting that mental health education, right? And, and starting to help individuals feel comfortable with those uncomfortable emotions. Um, and if somebody wants to, to follow along with that page and learn more about that, they can search, uh, focus on emotions on Instagram. Correct. 
Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So checking, checking out that page again, it's, it's on Instagram, uh, focus on emotions and, and getting some of those coping skills, uh, and other pieces of emotional support there. Um, Montana, like I said, is also a provider at heart and solutions. And so if you, uh, want more information on anything that she said or something really resonated with you and you, uh, want to start services with her, you're welcome to contact heart and solutions, um, and, uh, and explore those options. Montana, I am so appreciative that you were able to come and join us today. Like you said, the topic is it's, it's a big one, right? And, and we lots of subcategories there. Um, I know later on this year, the, the podcast has some other information coming up about video games and, uh, and other, forms of social media and things like that. And so I'm so glad that you were able to come and share with us um, these pieces of how to incorporate that effectively, right? And be aware of some of the negative aspects uh, so that we can keep an eye out for all of that. Um, and uh, so thank you for for your time. We, we hope to have you back with us uh, again as well. Thank you everyone for listening and don't forget that you need a training. Thank you so much for joining us today on You Need a Training. We encourage you to share this episode with anyone you think may be interested in learning more about mental health techniques and interventions. Also, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date with all upcoming training opportunities. And don't forget to listen to our other podcast, You Need a Counselor, where we talk with individuals around the world about their counseling experiences. Heart and Solutions is proud to provide CE-eligible trainings for our counseling community. This training may be eligible for continuing education credit hours through either the National Board for Certified Counselors, provider number 7376, or the Association of Play Therapy, provider number 21-645. To obtain CE hours for today's training, be sure to follow the steps in the description below.